0: Last week, we did a pretty long introduction into this new season of life that we're in called Global Focus. And that's that's that month long emphasis that we take to really set our hearts and minds right for mission. And uh, we're getting ready to come to our Global Impact Celebration, GIC. Our GIC happens every year in September. We're now three Sundays away from that, it's coming fast for us. Uh, to be able to get there. And uh, I just wanna kind of get you ready as you begin to see things in our lobby popping up. You're going to see different things that will be taking place. You're gonna see tables that will start to be set out over the next few weeks in our lobby, in our gathering room. And all of our mission partners will be represented in those tables. And the worst mistake you could make is to walk by. <laughs> you know, We want you to, to stop and linger out there for a moment. And really think about what's happening with all of those. Uh, I also hope that you're using your prayer guide. Uh, We still have those available if you haven't picked one of those up. Join us in praying as we do daily for a different mission partner or a different aspect of our global impact celebration. Today's mission partner is Casa David and we received just a wonderful note from them this week thanking us It was kind of timely thanking us for our support of them and just said to us, you'll never know the impact that Judson Baptist Church has had in the lives of people all around the world, but especially in Guatemala and Honduras. And they gave us some pictures of of our last uh, mission trip that had been with them. It's just a wonderful note of appreciation. And it kind of dawned on me uh, as I was thinking about this week that last week we we had an opportunity to pray for a mission partner I didn't. And so why don't we pray for a mission partner today since it is Casa David and we'll try to keep that in our brains over the next couple of Sundays to be able to do the same thing. But would you join me in prayer as we pray for Casa David. Father, we thank you for Casa David and how they help people who are going through difficult seasons getting medical care. Lord, we are thankful that every night the residents that are staying in the, the houses in Guatemala and the two that are in Honduras get to hear the gospel. They're safe while they're in those homes. God, we're grateful that they're cared for while they're in those homes and fed while they're in those homes. And Father, we thank you that just in Guatemala over the last two years, over 60 people saved. Lord, we, we just thank you for that. And we thank you for the thousands of residents that have been in Casa David since its beginning. We pray for Marvina And we pray for each of the home leaders, that you would be with them and bless them, and Father, expand their ministry and give them favor as they share the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're in Acts chapter 15 for our start today, and we're going to let that bleed over into Acts chapter 16, and we're talking about what the call to live on mission looks like. What does it mean for us to be called to live on mission as believers. I think a lot of us have some assumptions about that that might not be correct. We often think about missionaries as being people who leave where they're at and go serve full time. And uh, as, as I often think about the mission partners that would come to our church when I was a kid, it was often somebody from Africa who brought a big snake skin and talked about living in a mud hut and, and talked about how difficult things were as they were doing it. And, and that was one framework that I had of a missionary. But missionaries are not just full-time mission partners who live overseas in austere conditions. Sometimes uh, they're mission partners who go for short-term trips. Sometimes they're mission partners who never leave the city because our city is a mission field. And all of us have been called to live on mission. If you are familiar with your Bible and you've ever looked in the back of it, maybe it's like mine. It has some maps that are in the back of it. And those maps give us just some information about what life would have been like in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But there's often a map in the back of our Bibles that details the mission journeys Of a man named Paul. Now, Paul actually started his name as Saul in the New Testament. That's how we meet him. And he's a persecutor of the church, but God saved him. If you've ever kind of heard that expression, I saw the light, it comes from perhaps a a Hank Williams song that he wrote, uh, hearkening back to this moment in the scripture. Uh, where the Apostle Paul, who was Saul at the time, traveling to the road uh, to to a place called Damascus, met the Lord Jesus Christ on that road where he was blinded by the light, and his life changed. Now, we're fast-forwarded a few chapters from that event, but as we talk about Paul's life, we look at what happened in between the first missionary journey and really the start of the second missionary journey Today, Now, you may have heard the name Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas had been selected by the early church to go and leave where they were at and go share the gospel with the Gentiles. Gentiles are people who are not Jews. So that's all of us, unless you're Jewish this morning. You fall into that category and you can trace your salvation lineage all the way back to these missionary journeys. And it's amazing to think about but, but what started in harmony, all of a sudden we find a little disagreement happening between these two good friends, Paul and Barnabas, and we're going to see how God used it to build the kingdom. Let's read verse 36 of chapter 15. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was also called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters through the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, you have to understand that things had been going so well for Paul and Barnabas in the first journey that Paul has this idea, let's do it again, we're gonna get the band back together. And it's important to understand why they wanted to go back and visit these churches again. Remember that that these churches are essentially all church plants, they're very new. And if they show up they have an opportunity not only to strengthen the churches, but to disciple these churches and and keep them going as they follow Christ, a very important thing, as you might imagine. And it's not a bad idea, but Paul and Barnabas, as they go back, would have been encouraging and building up these churches. But you have to understand why. There's no resources to download. You can't call the Christian bookstore. There's no internet Bible studies. There, there's, there's nothing. All they have is what's just been started. And so this would have been crucial. And here we see the difference that personality brought through. And there's a disagreement. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. John Mark had been on the first journey with him, And we don't know all the details. But Luke tells us as he writes this that John Mark skedaddled. He left. Something In that journey, we don't know if it was opposition or there was some personal matter in his life, but he left them and didn't finish the journey. And here we see something amazing. Paul says, we don't need to bring this guy with us because all he's going to do is leave us again. He's not fit for the task. And Barnabas, showing his personality, says, well, let's give him another chance. Let's bring John Mark with us and it's going to be good. He's thinking about second chances for John Mark, and he's thinking about nurturing John Mark along in this journey. Now, that shouldn't be really surprising to us because if you're familiar with Barnabas's meaning of his name, son of encouragement. He's the guy that's gonna come alongside of you and say, you you can do it, you can make it, let's go, let's give him another chance. Paul, totally mission focused, says he's not fit. He's gonna do what Jesus said. He's gonna take his hand to the plow and he'll turn back. And when he does it, we're going to be left again without this guy, forgetting. Well, I don't know if John Mark is worthless and a quitter, but the Bible says in verse 39, let's look at it again, that the disagreement was sharp. Some translations even say violent. It was, it was such a, a beef that they had between each other that they parted company and Barnabas just grabs Mark and they take off to Cyprus. I mean, it's, it's over. How does God use that? This is one of the frustrating things that happens in ministry. Don't you wish that as believers we just all got along? We all had the same heart, the same mind. And and people often talk about it this way as, you know, we shouldn't have denominations. We shouldn't have different churches. And I, I don't disagree with that, but it is a reality that If there are three of us in a room, there's going to be a disagreement about something. If there's two of us in a room, you're going to be wrong and I'm going to be right. You know, Isn't that how you feel? I mean, that's what starts to happen sometimes in our lives. And oddly enough, in this instance, did you notice that the scripture doesn't assign blame? That's funny, isn't it? It It doesn't assign a blame. It doesn't say Paul really missed it. It doesn't say Barnabas should have gone with Paul. It it doesn't really say that. It just says, matter of factly, they disagreed sharply and they split to go do something. Well, I think we all understand Paul's point of view, don't we? I don't want to take a trip with somebody and have a quitter with me. He's not going to be any good. I don't have to manage him. I don't have to deal with him. But boy, there's something that tugs at our heart that makes us understand Barnabas' point of view too, doesn't it? Hey, there are no castoffs in the kingdom. There's no way that we can do this. Barnabas saw something in John Mark and says he's worth bringing along. He wants to encourage him. And this changed the course of several people's lives because of this disagreement. Barnabas takes Mark, they go to Cyprus. And the cool thing about that is, that, I mean, this is God's providence in, in showing us something here, is that at the end of Paul's life, Paul does something amazing. I want you to see it, it's from 2 Timothy chapter four and verse 11, Paul says, only Luke is with me, bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. Isn't that amazing? John Mark is worthless, we can't bring him. But something about the second chance in John Mark's life changed his life, and word must have gotten to Paul where he says, bring Mark, he's gonna be helpful to what we're trying to do around here. He's useful to me in the ministry. At this point, Paul sees him differently. He's no longer the the traveling companion who's not worthy to come along. He's worth bringing. And we can see the potential here of someone who could be used in God's kingdom and it's worth walking alongside of them and bringing them along and nurturing them and giving them this second chance. But on the other side of this, I want you to see what God did. The other side is that God used this disagreement to further his kingdom because again, nobody's given blame here of being right or wrong. But what we see is that Paul picked two other people to go with him. It says that he grabbed Silas and, and he takes off with Silas. And later it says that after grabbing Silas, they picked up a young man named Timothy. Now Timothy features pretty prominently throughout the book of Acts and In fact, Paul thought so highly of Timothy that later he left him in a place called Ephesus so that he could strengthen the churches in that area. And Paul writes two books to him, 1st and 2nd Timothy, the pastoral epistles, writing to him. So, So you understand that this new group of people then set off to strengthen the churches. Barnabas and Mark set off to go do work over here. And in this moment, you had leaders who made a literal super team in NBA free agency kind of speak. If you think about what happened so many years ago with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, they formed this super team in, in Miami. They win a few championships. I mean, that's what you have. It's Paul and Barnabas for crying out loud. And God broke up the super team, allowed it to happen, and it was for his glory. Now, that's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine that God might separate us or even allow something like a disagreement to separate us for his glory. Or that it might be his plan that we expand and take more territory for the Lord. That's hard for us to fathom. But but God often calls us to step outside of our comfort zone. Many times it's teaching a life group or leading a life group in our student ministry or working in preschool. And it just seems like you have to give up so much to go do that. But you look how it benefited Silas and Timothy that Paul wasn't with Barnabas anymore. They got an opportunity. They had a chance. They both got an invitation to join the ministry. And I got to say, one of the things that I really love the most about this season of life at our church is watching all the new people getting engaged. I love seeing them step into things and and take hold of things and and take ministries and, and watch them join the ministry that we're doing. We started dreaming about our future at Judson so many years ago in this new season of life. We believed that God was going to raise up a crop of interns and we've had five or six of them come through Young men and women who we wanted to, to show what ministry looked like and we wanted to give an opportunity for them to step into ministry and fail when it didn't matter. You know you need to, you know you need to fail some, don't you? You need to fail when it doesn't matter and learn from that. And, and you need to be given a little bit more. And, and we've been able to do that and, and see that. We, we've invited them to be part of that. As we look to see who God might be using this next season... Maybe it would be good for all of us to ask a couple of questions that we see from this passage. The first question would just be, is there someone who we might need to come alongside of who just needs a little nurturing and a second chance? Don't you think that's a great question for us to ask? Who has some potential for the kingdom of God? Maybe they need a a second chance and Maybe the second question we would ask is, do I need to make room so somebody gets their first chance? Do I need to uh, find a way to invite someone to take their first chance with us? And I think it's, it's just so easy for us to be trapped in our worlds. We go and do the same things. We see the same people. We go to our life group. We love our life group. We can't imagine our life group not being our life group. We can't imagine anybody new coming into our life group and ruining our life group. God forbid we have to grow and start a new life group. I mean, it'll just destroy the fellowship. Well, maybe or maybe not. Maybe God will use it. Maybe God wants to do something. Maybe we overlook people all the time who really need a second chance. And I got to tell you, one of the great things about living and serving a church in the same place for the last 16 years Is I can honestly tell you, I'm often more surprised than not at who God raises up. Because most of the time, it's not who I would pick. God uses people, and and He uses people who needed a second chance and people who have fallen short in what they promised they were going to do for a ministry or, or they didn't meet their obligations. And it'd just be easy to write them off and say, Oh, you can't trust them, they're no good. And God says, Well, wait just a second. I'm the God of second chances. I give people second chances. Isn't that funny because that's actually how we know God is because of our second chance. You were created in God's image. You were designed to be in relationship with God. And the Bible says, we all like sheep have gone astray, each one unto themselves. And God who is rich in mercy sent his son Jesus Christ to restore what we broke in our relationship with him. And Christ dies on the cross for us. And because of that, we have reconciliation with God the Father. I mean, God is the God of second chances. Let us never forget that. There's nobody thrown in the garbage heap in God's kingdom. He's the second chance God. And you know, I think it's just sad when oftentimes we We miss the opportunity to go back to someone and ask them to serve again or or ask them to to take a role in something we're doing. And you know what we're doing? We're saying no for them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We'll find that out in a minute. We don't need to say no for people. We need to open up the opportunity for people to serve again and again and again again. And let the Lord work in their lives. At the same time, we don't wanna miss an opportunity to bring new people along. And I'm grateful over the last few weeks and months that God has brought new life into our church on a regular basis. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And, and one of the things that that new life brings is, is something that we shouldn't take for granted. We've been seeing a lot of young people come to the church and that creates a problem, which is not a problem. It's an opportunity. Have you heard the babies in the service this morning? Have you seen the babies crawling around the church? Do you know what we need right now? You know what I'm gonna say? We need some more preschool teachers. You know why? Because we got a bunch more preschoolers, praise the Lord. Amen? That's a great thing, that's the next generation. And I'm gonna say it in this crowd. You're not too old, you're not too young. We have our students serving down there. We can have our senior adults serving down there. We need folks who invest in the lives of preschoolers. It's an opportunity for you to do that and bring someone along with you so that they get a new opportunity. I think that's very important for us to see. But I want us to continue to read the outworking of this in chapter 16 because there's another part of this same story that's very important as we think about what it means to live on mission. Sometimes living on mission is nurturing someone along so they get that second chance. Sometimes living on mission is God getting us out of our comfort zone so that we take someone new with us and we bring them along so they begin to see it. But look at verse six of chapter 16. They went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel To them. There's two important things here that you see about living on mission. If we've seen two things already, we've seen that God's a God of second chances. Let's nurture somebody along and let's invite people to be. Those two things are very important to invite them to be part of it. There are two things that are very, very important about this part of the story. The first is that Paul was called by God and set apart to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. As we've mentioned, So Paul was living on mission and and he didn't come back from that first missionary journey and say, well, job well done. I guess I'm just going to hang out now. Didn't do that. He got back to home base. He recharged and immediately what was his mind thinking? We've got work to do. The mission isn't finished because when's the mission going to be finished? Can you tell me? It's going to be finished when Jesus comes back. That's it. That's the last day that we'll be on mission, folks. After that, we won't need to be on mission anymore. But until the day of our Lord Jesus and his appearing, we're on mission. So Paul's living on mission and he comes back and prepares to do something pretty amazing. And as I was reading and preparing for this sermon this week, one of the authors pointed out that we often have a different view of God's call. Paul understood God's call to serve was for his life. We often say things like, well, well, I'll serve in that life group class. I'll teach it for eight or nine months. I, I, I could serve for a year. But then, you know, I want to get back and I don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want any responsibility. That's not living on mission. Living on mission is, is doing what we see Paul doing here. Paul didn't stop when he was finished In fact, the Bible tells us again that I've already mentioned it. Paul got Timothy going and Paul left Timothy somewhere and Paul kept going, right? I mean, that's what you see in the apostle's life. He's constantly looking because he was called to be a minister. And we talked about this last week. The call for us as believers is to fulfill the great commission. It's our ultimate aim so that we introduce people to the gospel of Jesus Christ and they have a relationship with God the Father. Now, when you look back, At verse six and seven, you see what Paul was doing. Paul wanted to join God where he was working. And Paul's not just sitting on the couch waiting for God to give him his marching orders. When I was a kid, my uncle owned a dairy. And one of the funniest things to be a 10-year-old is to be out on the dairy and watch the, the workers walk around and find the cows that are not moving through the chutes. And you know what they use? It's called a cattle prod gives a little shock, a little jolt, and you would be amazed at how fast cows get moving when they get a little, uh. And I think a lot of us are just sitting around waiting on God, well, if you shock me in the right place at the right time, I'll serve you in that one place that I know I need to be in, not Paul. Paul's not sitting around waiting to get shocked out of the recliner, is he? It's not what he's doing. Paul's on mission serving the Lord. And it's funny because there's not an explanation given about why Paul couldn't go into the places that he tried to go. It just said, we weren't allowed to speak there and the spirit of Jesus didn't let us go. But you noticed what he was doing. He was trying. Oh, is God working here? Is there an opportunity for us here? Let's see if we can preach over here. Let's see if we can do this. Rather than just sitting back, Paul's looking, he's probing. He's probing. But God wasn't allowing it. As we think about this global focus season in our lives and we get ready for our GIC, I want you to begin thinking about this. I don't want you to be sitting going, well, if God shocks me into going, I'll go somewhere and serve him. Nope. I want you to come ready saying, God, where do you want me to go? Let God tell you no. Well, wouldn't that be interesting? We're just praying God doesn't tell us yes. Yes. Oh, Lord, don't call me. Be fine if you call my wife. Don't call me. I'd love for our students to go on a mission trip this year, Pastor. Well, how about you? Oh, I can't do it. Now, come on now. Maybe our answer needs to be, where is God taking me this year? Where does he want me to go? And you might be surprised that where God wants you to go is right here in Nashville, Tennessee. We have mission partners right here. You might find that God just wants you to go somewhere across our state or in our nation Or maybe you'll find that God wants to take you to the ends of the earth. Maybe our answer should be, God, where am I going? Rather than, if you want me to go, show me the right place. If not, I'm not going anywhere. The difference is massive. Where are you serving the Lord? We talked about this last week. Inside the walls, outside the walls. Where are you serving? If I asked you that question and you can't answer it, something's wrong. Where are you serving inside the walls of this church? How are you on mission for the Lord, building the next generation of believers that's coming along behind us? How how are you doing that? If you can't answer that question, it's time to stop by the next steps desk and talk to Pastor Nathan and say, I'm ready to get involved somewhere, somehow serving the Lord. What can I do? See, one of the great things about God is that when he called us and saved us, the Bible says he set us apart. And not only did he set you apart so that you would be holy unto him, but he gave you something, he gave you some spiritual gifting. That spiritual gifting isn't just for you. The spiritual gifting is so that you build up the body of Christ here and around the world so that God's kingdom is expanded. And so as we use that, we get to to work out our spiritual gifting and, and serve the Lord. And as we enter into this season, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, don't hold your gifts back from the church. Don't hold your gifts back from the Lord. Let them go. Use this opportunity to step into something that God is calling us to do. I love nothing more than for the end of our global impact celebration, you to come to me and say, I'm so frustrated. I have tried to go, Pastor, like you've said. And God's not permitting me. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, I don't hear that very often. I don't hear people say, I, I've been trying to find that place and, and the Lord just made it clear that this season I need to wait, this season I need to stop. You know, I don't want to be a salesman for missions. I don't want to be a salesman for serving the church. Nobody should have to do that for you. That should come from from what the Holy Spirit has done in your life and the recognition that what God gave you, he meant for you to give it away. So as we come to this season, it's an opportunity for us to probe and see, God, what are you doing around the world? Where can I serve? Where can I join? Now, what Paul was doing wasn't bad. He was using his experience to frame what he believed was going to be his next mission. Remember what he said? Hey, Barn, maybe... uh, it's like Andy and Barney. I, I don't know why that just popped in my head. Hey, Barn, let's uh, go check out these churches again. We did it last time; it was great. Let's let's do it again. They need encouraging. Sounds good. He's framing it out of his experience, and in fact, that's a great place to start. Looking at what you know as a way God can use you is a wonderful way to start. But oftentimes. God goes, that's awesome, good start. Now we're gonna pivot. I got something different for you. You're gonna get a chance at this year's Global Impact Celebration to meet Dr. Keith Hamilton from Alaska Christian College. And I love his testimony because as he and his family prepared to go serve the Lord in the mission field, they were Spanish speakers and thought that God was leading them to Latin America. He told me that when God called him to go and plant Alaska Christian College, he thought, nobody speaks Spanish up there, Lord. You've got the wrong guy. (laughs) And the Lord said, no, we got the right guy. Take your family up there. And he laughs about that now, but you understand, he, he was probing where God wanted him to go. He was looking for the opportunity. He was waiting, trying to find a place to go, and God said, redirect. Here's where we're going. Look at verse nine. It says, during the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding God had called us to preach the gospel to them. After being shut out of the obvious places, Paul had this vision, and this vision changed the course of his ministry entirely. In fact, it's so cool, because as you begin to read in Acts chapter 16, the very first person that they met was a lady named Lydia. The Bible describes her as a cellar of purple that was hanging out at a place where all the ladies did the laundry. And Paul began sharing and Lydia and her household were saved that day. It wasn't too long before Paul and the group ended up in a little bit of trouble and they found themselves in a jail. And in that jail, they were, they were facing what was going to be a really difficult end of their lives, no doubt. And in the middle of the night, they were set free. And right at the last minute, they saved the life of a Philippian jailer who was about to take his own life, saying, don't do anything to harm yourself. We're all still here. And that man said, what must I do to be saved? And he and his family got saved. And later, the Corinthian church was founded out of all of these things. I mean, you understand the course of history was changed, not because Paul had a bad idea where he wanted to go, but because God had a better idea. He pivoted when he concluded God had called him to preach the gospel in the area of Macedonia. Many years ago, there was a book that some of you have gone through called Experiencing God, written by Henry Blackaby. One of the great tenets of that book says... Look where God is working and join him in the work. Isn't that a great prayer for us as a church? God, where do you want us to be this year? God, where do you want me to be? I don't have to create this. I don't have to come up with it. I need to see where you're working. And I know we often have great ideas that don't seem to work out and we wonder why. And God's going, you had a good idea. I have a better idea. I want you over here. I want you serving. And a lot of times that means stepping out of our comfort zone, out of what we've known, out of the places that we've been, out of the structures that we're most familiar with. And God says, I'm going to bless the world through you. Can I tell you something? When God blesses the world through you, you're not excluded from that. You're blessed too. When God blesses the world through you, the blessing comes back to you as well. And so that gives me so much excitement as I think about this year's GIC. As we have this global impact celebration, we have the opportunity to see where God's moving, listen to the stories of how God's moving, and be excited about joining on mission. What it's not is a report for us to sit back and applaud. It's an invitation for us to go. That's a mistake to think that we're bringing partners in so that we can get a report. Now, we're trying to hear a testimony that moves our hearts, that takes us on mission. We have great opportunities this year for you, they're exciting. And I believe that God, in His sovereignty, brings us the right partners for the right time, for the right seasons. And a lot of these partners turn over and and we get new partnerships. But you have a chance to go from Nashville to the ends of the earth. And I want you to lean into that chance to go and be a part of that. Don't make the mistake of going through this season and never dealing with the question of where God wants you to go or who he wants you to bring along with you. God wants you to bring somebody. Somebody. Maybe it's somebody that needs a second chance. Maybe it's somebody who needs their first chance. And if you've been experiencing going on trips, I want to tell you to do something. I want to ask you to do something. I want you to pray about going on one of these trips, and then I want you to pray about who's going to go with you. And when you talk to them, don't ask them like this. Don't say, hey, I'd love for you to think about going with me on this trip. Nah. That's lame. Give them the weekend and say, I'm going on this trip and I want you to pray about going with me, let me know on Monday. You say, well, what if they come back and say they don't wanna go? That's great, you know what they did over the weekend? They went through a spiritual exercise with the Lord and the Holy Spirit saying, do you want me to go on this trip? I'm willing to go on this trip, can you work it out? That's a great thing, a no's still an answered prayer, isn't it? Make them say no, make them go before the Lord, And hear and feel the weight of that call to go with you and encourage them to do that. Right now, the needs are great. They're great inside the walls of the church. We need new life group leaders, we need new global focus champions, we need people willing to serve in areas that you probably haven't even thought of. We need people to serve in our preschool, our children, our youth ministry. The answer can't be, well, I've done that. It's somebody else's turn. No. The answer has to be, well, Lord, is it me? Here am I, send me, was Isaiah's prayer. Let's not confuse that with, here's the need, Lord, send someone else. So I want to ask you to do something with me. Because as we think about these needs, which are really just opportunities, opportunities cause us to say hallelujah to the Lord because that means he's moving, that means he's working. So I want to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to ask you to frame the question differently. Could we change our expectations to be that if God didn't let us serve somewhere this year, we'd be disappointed? And sometimes it's not the season, and that's okay. God lets us know that. Sometimes God puts us in a season of rest. But I'm asking you this morning, would you go before the Lord and just ask him, where do you want me to serve this year? inside the walls of this church, outside the walls of this church. Where is it, Lord? Maybe right now God's put on your heart someone who needs the second chance of serving. Bring them alongside of you. Maybe God's putting on your heart right now someone who needs their first chance and you'd be a great mentor for them. Lord God, how we thank you for this day. And Father, as we come before you, we know that in the next few days and weeks, you're going to be working. We know that you're going to be leading. We know that you're going to be calling us to go on mission with you. Father, may we hear your Holy Spirit today. Father, change the question so that we're disappointed if we don't get a chance to serve this year. May we be like Paul, willing to search out opportunities, but always willing to hear your Holy Spirit say, not here, but over here. Father, our best ideas are awful compared to your wonderful, perfect will. So, Father, align what you're putting in our hearts with your will and and show us what you want us to do. Show us where you want us to be. And as we follow you, Lord, and the world is blessed through the ministry that we'll have, we know that we're going to receive a blessing. Give us clarity, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray.